Hello and welcome to the Film School Podcast, episode 19, The, Wednesday, the this Wednesday, the 18th of November, 2020. Uh, my name's Adam and I'm joined by a fabulous crew of podcasters. We have the film guru himself, Josh J. Luke. How you doing, Josh? Good, thanks, Matt. That's good. We have the final girl, Emily Pratt. How you doing, Emily? Pretty well, thank you, Adam. And last but not least, the rom-com expert, Chris Birchie. How you doing, Chris? I'm very well. How are you? I'm doing excellent, thanks. It's Wednesday. Good, good. Beautiful weather. Can't complain. So for those of you who don't know, the Film School Podcast is a podcast where we talk about uh, a bunch of films that we've watched throughout the week and then jump into a main topic. Um, the main topic movies this week are His House, the 2020 Netflix film, and Lars and the Real Girl, the 2007 uh, film with Ryan Gosling. Um, you can follow us on Letterboxd and all of our descriptions and uh, names are in the description below. Uh, you can also follow us on Twitter and Instagram, Films Cool Pod. Awesome. So what did everyone watch this week? Why don't you start us off, Emily? What did you watch this week? Um, I watched the remake of Black Christmas. So it's um, the original's like, I think from 1974. It's like a slasher movie. Um, and yeah, there was a remake from 2019, which I checked out. Um, I didn't mind it, to be honest. Like, it has a lot of very low reviews if you check out Letterboxd or even IMDb. Um, and I haven't, like, gone into too much, like, yeah, I haven't really looked into why, like, a lot of people have um, ranked it so poorly. But just for me, as, like, someone that does enjoy a horror movie, um, it wasn't terrible. It was. Probably for me about like two stars, I think I um, have given it. Um, but yeah, basically it's kind of like a feminist movie um, where there's like this um, college. Yeah, and there's like um, the different, you know, like the, the sororities and like the frat boys and that sort of stuff. Um, and over Christmas, some of the girls from the sororities start to go missing and um, that sort of stuff. And... Yeah, basically, I don't know, I don't want to say too much more without spoiling it. Okay. Um, but yeah, basically, like, yeah, the women are kind of like being targeted and they decide to fight back essentially. So there's, yeah, um, a bit of like female empowerment around that, I guess. But yeah, like, I don't know, I didn't hate it. I also haven't seen or I don't, I don't really know much about the original either. So I feel like if I'd seen the original, I, maybe that's where this would have lost marks because I'm assuming it's nowhere near as good. Um, but yeah, I didn't hate it, didn't love it. It's just, yeah, it wasn't, it wasn't awful to watch though. So yeah. Did anyone else watch that? Yeah, I've, I've seen it as well and I'd, I'd agree. It's got, it's got some good jump scares, a uh, little bit of fun to watch, but yeah, nothing overly special about it compared to other, uh, slasher type movies, but yeah, worth, worth having, having a watch. I think it's rated PG as well. Is it? It doesn't, didn't no. seem like it does. Mm, no yeah. way. No way. Right somewhere it's right. Yeah. Don't oh, no, that'd, 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 that'd be an American's rating. That'd be Ah, oh, that'd be why. Uh, okay. Mm. That made sense. So the original is <laughs> one, of, one of the original slasher movies as well. So mm. that may also be a reason why they're taking it. So a lot of the fans take the remake to heart. Mm. All right. So kind of like Us and Carrie. Yeah. And let's be honest. When people add uh, a lot of feminist issues to films these days a very very vocal minority of uh fans that just will not accept anything and hate mm. it just because of that 
So that could contribute to how low the ratings would be. But that's coming from someone who hasn't seen it. So I have yeah. two, two comments to make. A, it's November 18th. What the heck are you doing watching a Christmas <laughs> movie so soon? And also, don't you guys ever get over like watching these horror movies like constantly? Like surely nah. his house was enough this week. No, not at all. No. Horror's like, yeah. No, don't thing. you get over watching terrible rom-coms that Netflix <laughs> churn out? I don't know if you saw like my uh, letterbox this week, but I, I watched some doozies. And actually, maybe I'll talk about it now. So this <laughs> week I watched uh, a movie called Love Rosie um, starring, ooh, sorry, just let me pull it up. Because I can't even remember Emily, Col- uh, Lily, that- Lily Collins, and Sam Carlton. Um, and essentially, the premise is uh, they're two best friends that grew up together. And right as they're about to go to college, um, there's obviously there's some romantic interest between them. But uh, they planning on going. They're English, and they're planning on going to college in America. Uh, they have this big argument and it turns out that uh, Rosie is pregnant with a kid. Um, so she decides, well, she doesn't go to college, but she doesn't let the best friends know. And the best friend's not the one who knocked her up. Someone else did. And it's just like this like tale over their lifespan. And it gets to like the point where like she has the kid and it's like 12 years in the future and they don't like age her or anything. Um, <laughs> it was actually not... It was, it was a pretty good, like, s- romantic story. And I think that I liked it more than I like most other romantic... Well, I really like rom-coms, so maybe I'm not the, the person to, to ask or say this. But I think what I liked about this is it's very grounded and realistic. Like, they can never, like, match up the times where they're both single or they're both, like, trying to benefit each other's, like, lives. They're always, like, in two different places with, like, relationships and stuff like that. And in the end, like... Uh, yeah, I don't want to spoil it, but it was it was quite well done. And I think I enjoyed it more because they were British rather than it being American. Or I haven't seen it, but I've just looked it up on Letterboxd. Is there a chance that you liked it more because it's a better movie? Because the scores on Letterboxd yeah, yeah, it's pretty, it's, it's pretty good. Yeah, it's it's a re- like it's a pretty darn good like yeah. rom com. Like and I Three. think that it it's because it's so realistic. Like they don't as in, as in, like the the love story is not just like really artificial and like they're going to be in each other's lives for the sake of being in each other's lives. No, it's like they just email each other throughout their lifestyle and like they catch up a few times, but then things aren't working out. It's really well done. Well, Plus, yeah, it's like, got a three point six average and it's got a higher percentage of fives than I expect for a rom com as well. Yeah, so that's love. And surprisingly, love you with your Rating system where five is one of the only three options. Haven't given it a five. No, no, because it wasn't a five worthy. It was definitely a three. I enjoyed it. I didn't like think it was the best thing ever. No, that's fair enough. I just find it funny that for a movie <laughs> with a high percentage of fives in a genre that you stand, you still haven't gotten around it. I actually don't know if there'd be any rom-coms I consider a five. I think like as soon as you're in that category, you're automatically a three. But What about Notting Hill? Notting Hill will be a five, surely. I actually haven't seen Notting Hill. What's cool. the other one? What's the other one, uh, Chris? The one um, sure. No, no the actually, other... it's really good. Uh, Four weddings and a funeral. Four weddings and a yes. funeral. Yeah, mm, it's good. It's I don't know if it's a five though. I, on your scale, I could. Mm. See a five, I feel like though. it's a five on your scale. Like you'd give it a four or above on the normal scale. Mm. 
Hmm. I haven't watched it in years, so I'd have to like rewatch it and let you guys know. Yeah. All right, Chris, I what did you think? Hates movies now. I don't. <laughs> I don't. You just need to be like, yeah, that was a great movie. Excuse me. Uh, yeah, no, that's fair enough. Now we'll get into it a bit later because uh, that makes yeah. sense. All right, so I watched Bohemian Rhapsody, which is a, a Freddie Mercury biopic, and watching it, I was like, this movie is awesome. The the music, the soundtrack. The drama that was created, I was really, really enjoying it until I decided to fact check a few things. Mm. So I'm like, wow, this is how this happened. Whoa, that's awesome. There's so many things in it that aren't chronologically correct. Like, um, for instance, the way the band meets, it's not not correct. Uh, When he uh, unfortunately is diagnosed with AIDS, it's incorrect timing like it's in the movie it says it's just before live aid occurs and that's why they get back together but it wasn't why they got back together and it was just all these things that came together that made me go wow this movie could have been you know like a four and a half maybe even a five because i love the music queen's music is epic and um the actor i don't know the guy's name he does a really good job um of portraying him uh they might have done the overbite a little bit too much but uh they, he does a really good job and yeah, I was just quite disappointed by the lack of accuracy in it. So, yeah, lost a couple of marks, or mark, mark and a half pretty much just for that. So I'm not sure if you guys have seen it. but Yeah, well, yeah. I was a massive, massive Queen fan growing up and into my adulthood too. And I had a pretty good knowledge of Queen's career before I saw this. And I fucking hated this movie for that reason. Mm, like, everything was happening. Like, I, I get that if you hadn't no sort of prior knowledge about Queen that this could come off as a good movie. Because watching it, it's a fairly well-made movie, fairly well-made biopic, good performance, but just everything that happened, I was like, that makes no sense. Changes the complete context of the way these characters are perceived. And, yeah. like, they make Fred to be this massive egotist within the band as well as in real life, where it was more just in real life. Mm, like yeah. within the band they never really had much conflict which they add into the movie they had in heaps of conflict for no reason um the fact that they get back together for live aid was not factually accurate at all they just come off touring like two months before they never broke up and yeah there's just so many things that are wrong mm. they change for no reason i completely mm. agree because it was like watching it and then i was like oh let me actually fact check what i'm watching because i don't actually know all that much about um, like Queen as a band and I was just so disappointed because then I like once I started I like couldn't stop because it was like oh well is this actually real or have mm. they just like dramatised this as well so I think that took away a lot from me and then to Ooh. top it all off at the end the actual Live Aid concert I like afterwards I was like oh I want to check out like you know the actual concert now so I like watched some of that on why did they not just use this footage instead of remaking it yeah. I mean, I the, great, the greatest live performance of all <laughs> yeah. time. Yeah, legit. Yeah, they, they definitely should have. They could have just done the start part and then mm. then just cross to it or even at worst split screen it. At worst have the two going. But yeah, I agree. They definitely should have just used the live aid footage. And it's weird choices. Add, it is weird well, choices. Like, and to like, add to it, like if sorry. you'd never seen, like if you, as Josh said, if you've never seen anything about um, Queen at all and you watch this, you'd be like, you just have no idea. It just doesn't, like, it doesn't compute in its... Yeah, yeah, like, I'm imagining, like, my parents or something watching this and then going, oh, this is the story of Queen, like, if they didn't know, like, and didn't think to look it up. Like, yeah. I just feel like it's irresponsible in a way to be, you know, creating this story that's not not real. 
I'm not going to get... Especially a biopic. It should be... Biopics should be fairly accurate. They shouldn't... Like, obviously, they need to change things to make it you know, watchable, but they shouldn't, like, disperse or change the truth that much. Well, but, I've got... I, I've got to... Oh, go at it. Sorry, I was just going to say um, that, like, I know that this movie had, like, a lot of trouble in development because it was Brian Singer who was making it and then, like, mm-hmm. all those accusations came out. Um, mm-hmm. And then... I was just going to say that, like, I think the best thing that came out of the movie, like, while I agree that, like, it would be way better if it was factually accurate, I think that the them remastering that soundtrack mm-hmm. and True. watching it in IMAX was really good. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Okay, I'll take a couple, two more things about this movie. So, Remy Malik won the Oscar for yes. Best Actor. Didn't really think that he deserved it too much because I feel like he's, he's acting just straight-up imitation. Because he was very, 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 very good in the role. Don't get me wrong, but he was just imitating the whole time, which was great for the role. But I just don't think it should be rewarded with the highest in brackets. But, but like that, yeah, th- that year of movies, like I don't. That's believe- true. You always, you always got to consider what it's going up against. Yeah. But in terms of like the realism, has anyone seen Rocket Man? Yes. Yeah. Okay. Yes, so. I think so. I didn't like that, but for, oh, actually, it was better now that I think about it. It was better than I remember. But at least with that, they didn't present it as if like this was the story. Like it was quite clear early on that we were presented with a drama, like a dramatized sort of fun musical. Whereas this one, you're like, oh, this could be the story, Queen, and just get completely wrong facts. Mm. Yeah, I'm just looking here. Like Bradley Cooper was one of the other contenders. So was William Defoe. Uh, Viggo was, Morrison was and Christian. Sasha Baron Sasha Baron Cohen was nearly the yeah, nearly Freddie Mercury, wasn't oh. he? That would have been that would have been good as well. Yeah, that would have been. I'm not saying anyone would have done a better job than Remy, because Remy was yeah. fantastic. I, I think he did a fantastic job, yeah. Yeah, but, he did. Yeah. yeah. Just imagine Queen in a mankini. It would have I, been... th- I think yeah. <laughs> go, go into the Glory. movie like yeah, go into the movie knowing that it's not factually accurate, but just enjoy the music. I think that's or, yeah. I've got a better thing. Just go out and find Queen live at Wembley and watch that instead. <gasps> it's a better Isn't time. That is such a good time. Oh, that's like <laughs> just the... watch that instead. Like you just you just watch this movie for the music anyway. Yeah, just yeah. Just go and watch the music. Wembley Stadium, <laughs> that on a good surround sound system is the first thing I always try. Oh, such a good time. All right. Um, anyone watch anything else that they really want to mention? No. No, nah, all good. I'll just really quickly, sorry, just say I watched Escape to Pretoria, which is a Daniel Radcliffe film that was uh, filmed partially in South Australia. Um, But it's about uh, a collection of uh, men who were against apartheid in South Africa um, and get sent to jail uh, for their crimes of, I guess, trying to not be racist. Um, And it's essentially just a prison break movie. Um, And I quite enjoyed it. I feel like they should have spent more time focusing on maybe what the real issue was, but it's a really good prison break movie. Um, and I'm constantly impressed by Daniel Radcliffe's ability to act. That's what I I've have got. to I have to say this though. Go. Is there not a high, high chance that if they had have spent more time focusing on the real issue, you would have come back and said it just hit at the wrong time. Like, oh, it was that, good, but right. I just you're did right. something. You're right. <laughs> uh, you're right. Uh, absolutely. And, like, it was a great prison break movie. I'll be honest with you. Like, I have, I was very entertained last night watching. I was like, oh, it was pretty good. 
But if they had made a better movie, you probably would have enjoyed it less. <laughs> yeah, probably. Right now, I think, yeah. I just think Prison Break movies are real rad, you know? Like, every time I watch yeah, them, I'm, like, I'm stressed for the people. Like, I'm just like, oh, man. There's so many Have you watched Midnight wrong. Express, Adam? Midnight Express? No, I don't think so. You should check that out. That's a really good one from earlier this year that I watched. We also all need to watch The Great Escape, but we're getting off topic. Mm, anyway. <laughs> all, right. all right, so let's jump into our first movie of the week. His House is a 2020 horror film written and directed by Remy Weeks. It stars, and I apologize for stuffing up these names, uh, Wumni Mosaku, Sope Dirizu, and Matt Smith. It premiered at Sundance in January uh, uh, 2020 and was released on Netflix last week, the 30th of October, actually, now as I look at it. That's <laughs> Almost three weeks ago. Three weeks ago. <laughs> time is not relative. It has a runtime of 93 minutes. Okay, do you want to run us through the plot, Emily or Chris? Sure. So um, basically we have Bol and Rial, who are refugees fleeing from war in South Sudan, uh, South Sudan, sorry, with their daughter. So um, we just get a little bit of context about, yeah, what they're fleeing from. They've come across on a boat which is, like, capsized and, you know, it's really highlighted, like, how dangerous it was for them to do that. But fortunately for them, they survive this crossing and so does, um, so does like, some other people. Unfortunately, they lose their daughter um, but anyway, they do actually make it to Britain, which is a triumph for them, and they're actually granted probational asylum. So um, what that means for them is they get a pretty shabby house, which has not been cleaned and is, like, in pretty awful condition, but it's a, it's a big house, which is a good thing for them. Um, and they have all of these really strict restrictions that they must meet or else they'll be deported. Um so, yeah, we get a little bit about them trying to, you know, assimilate into British culture and everything, uh, which, you know, goes goes well for Bol, who's, like, the guy. Um, Rial, though, doesn't work out so well when she kind of ventures out. Um, but, yeah, basically, it, so there's that going on with them trying to assimilate and get used to this new culture and new place. Uh, but meanwhile, they also, while they're actually at home, start experiencing some really strange things uh, within that home um, and they see visions of their daughter and a, yeah, like a, a ghost-looking weird man, I guess, who uh, kind of come and go into the walls. So Bol kind of goes a bit crazy and, like, starts trying to knock down the walls, which is not ideal considering that that's, you know, not their actual house and all that. Um, and, yeah, so it's basically exploring, um, you know, the two horrors of, like, being in this unknown country, really, like horrible situation having to flee from your home country but also having um yeah some sort of supernatural presence within the house which is haunting them and making things really awful there as well and yeah yeah great um what did what what's everyone's like first impression like or, or impressions of the film um i actually just quickly might want to say uh, if you haven't watched his house and that rundown was interesting to you um Maybe go check out and watch it because I this is going to be pretty heavily spoiler uh, territory. Um, so if you join back maybe in like five, ten minutes um, when we go on to Lars and the Real Girl, which is far less spoilery. All right, go for it. 
I just want to congratulate you, Adam, on getting the names correct. Uh, in particular, you got Matt Smith, the most Western <laughs> name ever correct. So you did well there. Um, the other names, you know, obviously they were really easy for you, but Matt Smith, you, you nailed it. That was, that was good. And his character in the movie is Mark, so they just decided they could have went John, I suppose. That might have been a bit more, but uh, yeah, that, that's my comment, so I'll let someone else talk now. <laughs> but uh, that's, that's what I've got. That's uh, good. So I'll jump in here. I'm actually going to change my rating. I think that I've sat on this now for a couple of days, and I think I'm going to move this to a five. I think this is a fantastic Ooh. horror film, um, and probably one of the better ones that I've seen. Hot, like, All right, just to jump into, like, can we talk about that scary scene? In the middle. Which scary scene? They yeah, were all terrifying. Oh my <laughs> god! No, but like, there's that one. There's like that one bit oh, in the middle where with the lights, the lights, and like mm. the girls in the corner, hmm. and then yep. she's fucking running at him, and then they turn the lights <laughs> off or turn the lights on, and she's not there, and then yep. turn the lights on, and he's like knifing him. Ooh. Oh, yeah. Like this has some of this. Like, so I went to watch this the first night. I was by myself. And I, I, I put it on, I go make it 10 minutes in and he's got his head down inside the wall and then he moves his head up and there's the person behind him. Mm. I'd stopped right there and then. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, fuck this. I need someone else in the house to watch with me. I uh, think there were actual scenes in this where I was watching from behind my hands for parts of it, to be honest. Like, yeah. The scene it where... wasn't just you. He's looking, so there's like... A living room, and then there's the hallway, and then there's the kitchen. And he's standing against the wall, and he looks, like, through into the kitchen, and the girl, there's, like, a shadow there. He's, like, got its head down, and it's, like, all dark and scary. And I'm like, oh, that's terrifying. Something's really, like, I'm scared now. Then, I don't know what the camera did. I think it, like, pans left and then pans back to the thing. And then the, the person walks in the hallway. And then, and then I'm like, okay, I'm freaking out. I'm like, this, I've had enough. Like, this is too scary for me. Then it pans over to the corner of the room and the person's there and it sweeps towards you. And that's when they've turned the lights on. Oh man. When I was watching that scene, I was like, Adam's going to be fucked with this. That, that specific scene, that one there. That one was like straight out of like a phasmophobia. Like I could, yeah. but like. I felt like I was in real danger. Um, I think like what, why this deserves a five, like what, why I think it's a five is um, it had a really compelling story. Uh, mm-hmm. And I think that once you find out more about the daughter um, mm-hmm. and the significance of, I guess their wrongdoing um, on a personal level and like the, the demons that they face internally from that situation, yeah. I think really elevated it to another level. Mm-hmm. Um, the horror mm-hmm. is top tier. And I think it's also like, you kind of really feel for like the actors were fantastic. Um, Woomney and soap or Sope. I don't know. <laughs> um, probably so- probably Sope. I don't know about soap. <laughs> um, yeah. I could I, be wrong. I, I thought that like their, their expressions and the way in which like, they give you that situation of being in a foreign location and like that that scene uh, with the woman and she's walking around the town and she's lost and she's in like a shitty neighborhood. Um, mm. I don't know. It just sort of really added to the atmosphere. It just really built up the story. Um, and I, I think I, it really made it like, yeah, like a horror movie in two facets because like obviously you've got the, the ghosty spooky stuff, but then just like, yeah, her um, like – 
you know, being lost, her not being able to communicate with people, people being mean and racist, like, mm, mm. that I found really horrific as well, and especially because, like, people actually go through that, so. Yeah. yeah. I think, so, sorry, can I just quickly say, why one, one critique for the go. whole film was Wumni was haphazardly spending money when he only had 74 pounds for a week. <laughs> he was going yep. to the hardware store. He was going to the shops <laughs> and buying all these bags of food. And I was the whole time I was sitting there being like, this doesn't add up. This is, he has so much stuff for $74. Like I couldn't live like this a week. It's 74 <laughs> yeah. pounds. Though. Let's, pounds. let's yeah, remember that. They, they do get cheap. It's still not much, either. but yeah. All right. Sorry, um, Josh, you go. <laughs> I was actually thinking, cause when I gave this a four and the last few days I've just spent thinking, I'm like, why did I only give it a four? Like, what makes this any worse than... Like, I was trying to find fault in the movie in my mind and I couldn't really find any. Um, I think this is really good because all the characters are very realistic. All the conversations that had are very realistic. And I like the fact that they show the plight of an asylum seeker in a realistic fashion. In terms of everyone's sort of addicted to them. Like, everyone's not outwardly addicted to them, but there is this level of like, yeah, they do get treated differently. And I like the, how the problems that they've sort of the demons of their past they've brought over is represented in the haunting of the house and things like that. And yeah, I felt like they did a really good job symbolically of showing the differences in culture when they were talking about eating the food and just being able to taste the metal of a knife. Mm. Ah, uh, sorry, the middle of a fork you don't need from a knife. And, yeah, I just thought this is a extremely well-written movie and I'm glad people are giving Matt Smith roles because ever since he stopped being a doctor, he hasn't been seen too much. Mm, I, haven't, I can't I remember in, anything. Uh, he was in one of those terrible Terminator movies. I can't remember which one, though. Mm. The one with the girl from Game of Thrones in it, which I think is the worst oh, one. Oh, yeah, 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 Genesis. Correctly. Oh, yeah, that's the one. Yeah. What did you think, uh, Chris? Yeah, I, I really liked it as well, guys. I, yeah, all the stuff you've said is um, pretty much on point. Uh, yeah, there's very super creepy, some of the scenes. The, those spirits or creatures or whatnot, you, what you want to call them, they were, yeah, I was definitely uh, struggling a little bit at times with it as well, so it wasn't just you, Adam. Uh, yeah, and I think, yeah, the plight of Asylum Seekers is definitely uh, shown quite well in the movie. Um, there was a, a fact that I saw about Asylum Seekers being there's approximately 3.5 million worldwide. So it is something, you know, it's a, a massive issue um, for, for people out there. So it was good for a movie to be showing that, um, especially mm. a, a Netflix-only movie, I suppose. Uh, and, yeah, I, yeah, I really liked it. Um, the I did like the the uh, uh, what's it, the social worker guy, he, how he did, yeah, he was... As you said, you know, there were some points where he wasn't being that nice to him in a sense, but he was quite nice to let them still stay in the house after all the damage, which is probably the one thing I wasn't sure if it would have happened. Uh, but yeah, other than, other than that, I reckon it was just executed really well. And the the one, another thing I wasn't fully sure of, and you guys might be able to help me out here, is that the spirits couldn't kill him or the main spirit, but it sort of seemed like the earlier ones would have been able to harm him. So I wasn't fully sure how that all worked, uh, if anyone knew about that. My interpretation is that they were going to kill him. Mm, um, me too. I thought he had the early the early ones. Yeah, my interpretation was they were yeah. always trying 
to kill him. Um, and then the only reason that he didn't end up dying was at the end, like, they end up killing, or, like, the the wife realises, like, the error of her ways mm-hmm. and ends up killing the spirit. And the, the final scene where you see all the people, I guess, inside the house was them accepting their, like, heritage and... That's that's what I got from um, it. That's how I viewed it. Except, as well. except okay. accepting their wrongdoings and yep. and I guess like yeah, like the napping of the the, the daughter um, mm-hmm. and yep. and having to then live with that moving forward, but in a like I guess yeah, just a way of moving forward. That was my interpretation of it. No, I think no, you've got no. I think you've got it pretty good. That's how I sort of viewed it as um, well. The, the bit that I got confused with was just, I think that the spirit was trying to get Bowl to, well, kill himself, but then also trying to get his wife, Riel, to do the same thing with that knife scene. Uh, mm. And it was kind of just as if, like, the spirit couldn't do it. It needed someone else to do that to be able to get into his body or take him over. Or well, I, th- I think that's probably yeah. what's representative. Like, that's sort of metaphor. Like, they... Oh, I think it was very... Yeah their acceptance of it that um, sort of stopped it in the end. It's more metaphorical than just literal, I would say. Okay. I, I think... Um, yeah, that makes sense. I think that, like... I think, like, one of the most exciting things is that, like, I do feel like this... Like, I don't know. Like, I only know this... Like, I would only have watched this movie because of this podcast, and I wish that, like, it maybe had a better title splash screen on Netflix. Because um, mm. I feel like that doorway with the face and the scary mask maybe sort of turns people away. Whereas I actually think this is a, like a fantastic film. Like, I think that like, I can recommend this to like most people, as long as like they can deal with horror a little bit, like I would steer people towards this. People are definitely watching. Cause it's been the most popular on letterbox for a few weeks now, but okay. I'm not sure where it's sitting on the cover on Netflix. But as we discussed last week, most people don't actually watch the Netflix movies that they mm. put on. So I, I agree with you, though. Like, um, representation on that home screen is very, very important. And there's so many films that I've watched where I know what the poster looks like because the letterbox was saying, and then I see this um, one they use for Netflix, and I'm like, what are you doing? Do you uh, want people to watch even this like- movie? The one for the beach bum, where it's just like a picture of a bong, and it's like okay. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, like the other posts are so cool, the psychedelic <laughs> one with like everyone in the background, and yeah. All right, so so just quickly before we end this movie, just what what was like like a standout like horror scene that like you thought was done like really well? Like I've obviously talked about mine. Is like there anything else that like was stand out just like really well done or like set chills down your spine or like freaked you out? Um, well, I, because I like I have a really strong gut with these movies. So these movies really scare me. But the it was actually the scene you spoke about before where I was watching. I was like, shit. I'm glad I don't really get scared by movies because I would be shitting myself <laughs> right now. Like you can understand how the direction's done. You can understand like the tropes of horror. And I'm like, this is done very very well. And this is, I'll just lay in this one last point that I forgot to mention before. If this movie came out, say, 10 to 15 years ago, it would be considered one of the classics of horror. Like, if this came out in the Ring era, there would be, this would be far everyone's list. It's just we've been sort of spoiled a little bit in the last few years for really well written horror films that some of these ones slip under the radar, as Adam was saying. 
What about you, Emily and Chris? Anything else that like sort of stands out as like a horrifying section? Just all the parts that you pretty much talked about with the, the walls and the wallpaper and everything. Just like, yeah, just all, you know, how he's taken, taken apart the whole, um, the whole wallpaper and then, yeah, just all the spirits and beasts coming out, looking at him. It's, yeah, lights on, lights off. It was just, yeah, real, uh, real intense. Yeah. Yeah, that one's definitely a standout for me too. But the other thing I found really horrific was when we learned that their daughter was not actually oh, their daughter and he, yeah. like, kidnapped her to save himself. See, that is the part that I was like, oh, fuck. Mm. That, yeah. Because that sort of shit's what gets me, like, yeah. realistic, real-world horror. Mm. Yeah, absolutely. And I saw it coming, like, five minutes before. I don't think I, like, I did. I didn't. Oh, yeah. shit. I didn't. No. Yeah. Um... I just one other scene that I thought was like, like I thought it was he was absolutely psycho when he started like uh, using the hammer to destroy the walls. I was like, you're just giving mm. them more places to see. Mm. But there's that oh, scene yeah. where it pans across the walls and there's all the children looking through all the little holes. That I was thought, one of my favorite. Bits. I just thought that yeah. it was just like cinematically really well done. Mm. Um, just yeah, just just like incredible for. What is essentially a movie where 90% of it takes place in one room. Um, mm. True, actually. I didn't even think of that. I liked on the splashback poster for Netflix, not the main post, not the main one where it's just like the crack in the wall and the eye. It says, when ghosts follow, they never leave. And I thought that, that was just a really good mm. All right. Any other mm. thoughts? Go and watch this film. If you haven't seen it, go and watch this film. His house. Definitely. As long as you've got Definitely. a little bit of a stomach for horror, just push through. Because, like, I think that what you get out the other end is um, totally worth it. Yeah. All right. Cool. Now on to the next movie of the week. Lars and the Real Girl is a 2007 American romantic comedy drama film written by Nancy Oliver and directed by Craig Gillespie. Uh, Gillespie. Gillespie, sorry. Uh, It stars Ryan Gosling, Emily Mortimer and Paul Schreider, among some others. It was considered a commercial failure. Um, It had a budget of $12 and only a box office of $11.3 It has a 106-minute runtime. And Ryan Gosling uh, was nominated for an Academy Award for Best Origin. Oh, sorry, the the movie itself was uh, got an Academy Award for or nomination for the Best Original Screenplay. Uh, Ryan Gosling, however, got a Golden Globe uh, for Best Actor nomination, and he did receive an award as the Screen Actors Guild Award for Outstanding Performance by a Male Actor in a Leading Role. I'm glad someone in Hollywood knows what's going on. All right. Um, I would say that probably that, just just quickly on that budget thing uh, and the box office, I think that the name of the movie really doesn't sell it. I think, look, when you make a movie like this, are you really, the person making it isn't 100% just going for a box office. That's true. Like, Craig Gillespie doesn't care if this makes money or not. The studio does. Obviously, the studio wants to make money, but... This is quite clearly an indie movie by 2007 standards. All right, Chris, chuck us the plot so that everyone knows what we're talking about. What is the plot for this Lars and the Real Girls? Real Girl. Yeah, so really briefly, it is the main character's Lars. So he is very socially withdrawn, uh, has a lot of trouble socialising with other people and making friends and I suppose just transitioning from 
being a uh, young child to an adult, I suppose. He's had a, had a lot of difficulties in that. Uh, he, in a scene, he decides, you know, because everyone's been saying that he needs to have a girlfriend or he should be trying to find a girlfriend, he uh, decides to go on the internet and orders himself a doll, uh, so essentially a sex doll. And you think that the movie's going in one direction at this point, but luckily it doesn't go in that direction and turns into more of a drama where it's all about the town getting around him, um, about his family getting around him, and for him trying to sort out his, I suppose, personality or social issues that he has that have never been, I suppose, dealt with. Uh, from uh, and you learn that it's from his when he was born uh, his mum uh, passes away I think it was during childbirth I'm reading this all off the top of my head uh, but yeah it's, it's all about him trying to get over these uh, things that have ha occurred to him so that's kind of my sort of plot summary for it I, I think back to what I was just saying that maybe part of the reason why this did do as good as, well, the studios were wanted to, is why would you market this as a comedy? Yeah. 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 Furthest yeah. thing from a comedy I've ever seen. I agree. Yeah. This is a really super heartfelt drama that's about overcoming loss and, like... Community. It's about community. community. Yeah. yeah, it's community. Yeah. It's about recovering through shared experience. It's... Oh, there's so much here that... And it's such a good movie to watch this a week after we watched Adam's Choice of Holiday. Absolutely. Where there's, I said this to everybody, it reminded me of a mixture between Holiday and The Voices, yet they went in a completely different direction with everything. And it is a good movie as a result of it because I hated both those other movies. <laughs> but they have the whole con, like, it starts off, there's this whole concept of, Oh, Lars, why don't you get a girlfriend? Lars, you need a girlfriend. That'll make everything all right. That'll bring you out of your shell and all this sort of stuff. And I was like, okay, they played that card. And then the way they took the movie, I was like, no, that was the exact... Oh, he needed... Yeah, a lot of other things we'll get into. I'm sure we'll discuss more, but that was my sort of opening impressions. Absolutely. So he's, well, we're going to go into spoilers again. Yeah. Um, yeah. yeah. Th this is a heavy spoiler movie. Um, so, all right, let's just jump into it. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm the exact same. I like was so shocked and, and just loved the way that this like whole film was approached. Um, I think that, yeah, you start, it started out with like, ah, oh, okay. Like telling him that he needs a girlfriend. And I think that, then it jumps into like he shows the doll and then there was that whole thing where they th where i totally thought that the brother was going to be a dick the whole time and just be like yeah. lars like this is so fucked up like this is fake like totally drill home that like the brother is not accepting but he and comes around and like well yeah in a way like he he's never accepting, but I think that like he, like he sees everyone else sort of accept it, and like well, the, I, oh, was... I think by the end, of, sorry, I think by the end of it, you like they get to the point of the reason why he was a dick throughout it is because he blames himself for his brother's issues, and because his brother's issues have manifested themselves in what he deems physical way, 
he's like trying to minimize that to begin with because he doesn't want to feel the immense guilt that he feels in general that we get towards the end. Mm. And I think just like in terms of like everyone in the whole town understanding that this is like a mental health condition and like accepting that and like, I don't know. It was just really sweet. It, it like yep. left a good flavor in my, mm-hmm. like it was, yeah, I don't know. It was kind of, it was just really touching. I, I, I loved it and I can't recommend it enough. I gave this five stars personally. I would have been very annoyed if I had have seen a three come <laughs> up after watching this one. Yeah. Um, yeah, I think a lot of the reasons why I don't like films a lot of the time is because of how mean-spirited they are, and this was the furthest thing in the world from that. This is a super, super kind movie. It's a real kind-hearted movie. You'd like to think society would be that accepting of, of someone uh, in Lars's situation, and I could see it happening in a lot of you know smaller-type towns where everyone knows everyone, like the town mm. that this was uh, done in. Uh, I'd yeah, I can't. I couldn't see it happen in big cities as much. Uh, but yeah, it's definitely a very sweet story how the town does get and around him and so forth. As much as I'd like to believe that's true, the when I was watching this one thing, I was like, "Yeah, this would never work in real life because people are t- yeah. pricks." To be honest, yeah. there would be that one guy who would just ruin it for everybody. Yeah. Yeah. And, and I think yeah, that's my favorite thing about like this movie too is that like in the beginning I can't remember what scene it was but like it was when I think Lars first kind of like had Bianca out with him and there was like someone that noticed it and like started saying something maybe it was at the party actually but I was like oh no this is going to be really horrible to watch because they're going to like be mean to him about it but then they weren't and I was like oh this is really nice and really lovely and why can't the world be like this yeah I absolutely adored the relationship he had with the doctor yes and the way that the doctor saw like recognized the fact that this wasn't necessarily mental illness but it was more a mental condition that she realized the way to work through it was to work together with him and i think as a result run around the town like everyone got something out of bianca and it was a reflection of themselves that the doctor has a massive speech about how it was always him. He's doing it. It's a reflection of himself. And it's interesting to see how, while at the start you think because humans are humans that they're all going to be pricks to him about this sex doll thing and make out like he's really mentally ill. But no, everyone sort of does the same thing that um, Ryan Gosling's character in the end does and funnels the things that they want to sort of change about themselves or get something good out of Bianca. And it's just, yeah, really nice for the community. Yeah, Ryan Gosling's acting skills really shone through in this. Ridiculous. Movie. He is phenomenal. Like, he, like, like, he is shockingly amazing in every single scene. I was saying this during watching this film. Above anyone, he his facial acting to show, like, emotional pain and like emotional heartbreak is above anyone I can think of. Just like the way he could could talk, even just the slight look, he just looks off into the distance. You can see true emotion in his face. And I can't believe they didn't nominate him for an Oscar for this one, to be honest. Also, he's singing. Did anyone else lose their mind when he's singing to Bianca? Was that his voice? 
I think it was. I'm pretty sure Ryan Gosling could sing. Like, yeah, because he's in La La Land. So yeah, well, mm. I'm waiting for Oscar for that. Shockingly impressed by that <laughs> scene as well. Mm. Um, and I was I was also saying this when I was watching this that uh, out of all the quote unquote heartthrobs in Hollywood, Ryan Gosling works the least to sort of get that. Um, Monica, like he's just himself in a lot of these films. He doesn't try and get super jacked. He doesn't try and be super frumpy. He just rocks up as Ryan Gosling and nearly all the time his charisma just shines through enough that it doesn't matter what sort of physical shape he rocks up in. He only had to do the notebook and then he was uh, sort mm-hmm. of American. Mm-hmm. As soon as you've done the notebook, you can he could probably put on 20 kilos and people would still say he's a heartthrob. <laughs> well, I was, I think... Uh, the Notebook's still the reason why in movies such as Holiday, he's kids, well, the people who wrote, who wrote Holiday probably thought, oh, Gosling's from The Notebook. Everyone loves The Notebook because we're still stuck in the early 2000s. That's probably yeah. why they picked Ryan Gosling for that. But, man, he is definitely one of the best actors in Hollywood. I can't stress that enough. Uh, should we go through a few favourite scenes? I was, I was yeah, sure. To, yeah, 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 absolutely. That's one a, of my... Yeah. Right, right, um, right near the start when he's just got the the doll Bianca, uh, and he's talking. So this is um Lars. He's talking to his brother, uh, Gus. Yeah, his brother Gus, and he's saying about. So he's saying to him, so, like, how do you know? How do you know when you're a man? Like, what's what's? You know, when did you know when you're a man to his brother? And the brother's just like they're going, trying not to say nothing to do with the sexual relationship. I don't want to say anything to do with that because he's just bought a sex doll. Um, mm-hmm. it's in, it was just it was an awkward moment. I don't know if you guys noticed. Yeah. Uh, but I thought that was quite quite uh, amusing where he's just like, I don't want to say anything to do with the doll. Um, yeah, don't cause definitely anything. noticed that. I thought it was very good too. <laughs> uh, and then the other stuff I did like was the, the use of the mother's blanket a couple of times. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. Uh, sort of representing his... Um, I suppose mourning or or not having uh, dealt with the passing of his mum, uh, and then the the other part too was I think the doll was kind of a meant to be a bit of a representation of still being childlike or stuck in a child's mind by you know something that's uh, that normally someone younger would buy I suppose not the well, sex doll part of it the uh, the actual doll type childlike thing. Yeah, and I think that is so i'll just clearly into my sort of theory about what this film's about and because his mother died in childbirth he never got to have a mother and he never got to mourn his mother yeah and so the passing he, of bianca yeah yeah he uses the doll essentially to go through like his childhood his adolescence and come to terms with mourning and having to go through the process of death yeah. Which, yeah, would help him mature as an adult towards the end of the film is what like, I assume everyone thinks is the end game after what happens in the movie. He sort of starts to be, function more traditionally, I suppose. Yeah. And then uh, he's with the, the real girl. Yeah. <laughs> I think my favourite scene in the film is, well, it's a mixture of two scenes. It's the scene in the with the doctor where she touches his hands and he feels immense pain and touches his neck. Couple that with the scene of the bowling alley later where he shakes hands with the girl and doesn't feel any pain. That's probably yeah. my the bit that hit my heart the most. Mm. Shows that he's starting to um, get through his, his pain in a way. Mm-hmm. Emily, what um, was your for me, 
<laughs> for me, it was just like n- not a nice, like serious one or anything. It was just something funny, um, like early at the beginning of the movie before he gets Bianca, um, the lady at the church, whatever, gives him a flower and he's uh-huh. like, "Well, oh, give it to someone pretty or whatever she says." <laughs> and the new girl like says hello to him, and just throws like the... throws the flower and just like yeah. turns around and runs away. That was so good. Was, that was so childlike, wasn't it? And it looked it looked like he was going to give it to the girl. I reckon the girl thought she was going to get a flower, and he's just like, "No, nah, I'm piffing that away." Uh, that's a great scene. Yeah, yes. and and that's what I kind of like it because that was so early. I was like, oh, is this kind of going to be like the tone of it, or just kind of be you know like some like funny stuff like this because it's meant to be a comedy? And then I think that's probably like the last funnyish moment because I was like, okay, this is no, just a really like lovely, heartfelt movie, not a comedy. Yeah, yeah. And yeah. back, I think the film itself carries that sort of humor, not humor, but the sense of humor mm-hmm. throughout the whole film without it being. Com- if you look back on that scene after seeing the whole film, it does make that scene even more heartfelt. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I would say that my favourite scene was the one in the bowling alley. Like when he, mm. like when everyone's just like, Lars is alone, Bianca's out. And it's just like, he's actually like having real interactions with real people. And like, you can see that everything's all good with the world. So, yeah. Yeah. There was a little bit of humour in that scene though too at the end when he's when he says to the girl he's like oh I I've got it you know I don't want I don't want to lead you on or whatever it is I I, I do yeah. have you know I've got Bianca I yes, don't want to yes. nothing's gonna happen <laughs> I found that so sweet as well though yeah too. sweet yeah uh, yeah mm. I don't right. have a bad word to say about this movie yeah. it's just really yeah. really good yeah I I think like if you're up for a good time like it's on Stan um definitely worth a watch by by all accounts um. Cool. All right. So, what are we watching next week, guys? Uh, well, I think stay on the Goz train and go with the movie that got him an actual Oscar on the year before this came out, and watch Half Nelson. Keen. Sounds, Sounds real good. good. Half Nelson. What else we got? And we are also watching The Way Way Back. Um, and I don't know anything else about it besides it having Sam Rockwell and I think Steve Carell in the title and then there were a few other people that you guys mentioned, but I was pretty much, that's it. The way, way Good back. enough for me. And half you say one. Sam Rockwell, that's good enough for me. Beautiful. Awesome. All right. Well, thanks so much for watching this episode 19 of Film School Podcast. Can't believe we're on episode 19. How the heck have we done this in 19 <laughs> weeks? Um, uh, you can follow us at... Uh, Obviously, if you like and subscribe to the YouTube channel, that would be great. Um, follow us on all podcast services. Uh, our Letterboxd uh, accounts are all in the description below. Please follow us if you want to see what we're watching in real time with all of our reviews. Um, thanks so much, and we will catch you next week. <laughs>